Welcome to Buying Florida with Didier. Whether you're looking to move, invest, start a business, or expand, Didier will share with you everything you need to know. Tune in, learn, and improve with Didier and DDA Mortgage. Now here's your host, Didier. And we're here to discuss a couple of topics, and I'm going to let David lead off. Yeah, so very important question. I got a lot of emails this week. People were asking me about the Feds reducing the interest rates. Yes. And they were asking me, what's going to happen with the mortgage rates? So right. what is your take on that? Well, when the Feds cut the rate, that doesn't necessarily mean the long-term rates. What does that mean? That's a 30-year fixed rate. That doesn't mean that that's going down as well. There's other economic data that you have to grasp and, and learn about to find out whether the rates are going to come down or not. But to answer your question, when the Feds lower the rates, that doesn't mean the long-term rates come down. A lot of times the rates will go up, stay the same. And what is the result of that? Well, there's other economic news that really play a part in the rates coming down. That would be such things as unemployment. Are jobs being lost? Is the unemployment rate going up? Those are factors in which the rates will come down. So those are things that you have to look at. It's not the feds cutting the rates. And I can't tell you, like so many people want to wait to lock in their interest rate. And I don't think that's a great idea. Lock in your rate. If you're comfortable with the payment, lock it in and play it safe. An eighth going lower isn't going to make or break a deal. But having your rate go up a quarter to three-eighths, that's a big deal. So I really feel strongly that you don't want to play the market and don't read all the hype in the newspapers about the Fed's cutting the rate. That doesn't mean that your rate for your mortgage is going to go, go down. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, on the real estate side of things, like uh, one of the things that, you know, going back to your comment about locking it in, a lot of times what I see with international buyers is that they're looking for the perfect moment to convert either the euro or the Canadian dollar to buy US dollars and make a purchase. And one of the things that maybe a lot of people don't know is that there is a lot of products available right now that allow you to lock in a currency exchange rate. And that's also could be a really significant deal because let's imagine like a, a volatile uh, currency such as the Canadian dollar, you know, changing on maybe 10, 5%, 5% or 10% of a deal, you know, it, it might be a lot of money. So that's, uh, I also encourage you, if you have questions about that, you are more than welcome to contact me and I can navigate on how to take advantage of currency lock programs. That's fantastic. I think we also wanted to chat a little bit about refinances on the interest rates and when's a good opportunity. Obviously, you know, when we talked about a purchase, it's really, I think, a great idea to lock in and not float your rate. It's better to play it safe. 
But uh, I listened to a gentleman by the name of Rock ask me about refinances, and he happens to be doing the podcast and filming for us, and he's a first-time home buyer. And I would like to say, what does refinance mean? Refinance mean is refinancing your mortgage. That means paying off your mortgage that you presently have to either do several things. One, reduce the interest rate to save you some money. Two, to reduce the loan term. Or three, if you possibly have built up equity in your home, you maybe want to refinance that first mortgage and maybe consolidate some debt that you've incurred over time, like maybe paying off a car or credit card debt or possibly home improvements. So that is really the definition of a refinance of either refinancing to save money, to shorten your term, or to consolidate debt. That's where we have the refinance. And then I think you were going to ask me a question about when does it make sense? Yeah, so when it makes, does it make sense? Like I know that some people used to say before, like, oh, I want to see a 1% difference between what I'm going to pay versus what I'm paying. Some people are more lenient and they go to a half, uh, uh, half a point. Right. How, how do you feel about that? Well, you know, some states, they have really no closing costs, right? There's a simple, they carry their pay stub in their back pocket and there's a little bit of a drop, they'll refinance. But we're in the state of Florida. We have our title, we have our doc stamps, our in, we, we have the closing cost. And usually, you know, a rough indicator is about 2%, but it depends on the loan size. And what I really look at is, you know, what is, how much are we saving and how much is it costing? And so if we're saving enough money where we can recuperate our closing costs within 18 months, I think you got a good system. I think that's something to go. But if you're going to sell your house within 18 months, I don't think it's a good idea. But 18 months is a great indicator because we know rates go up and rates go down. And there's always opportunity somewhere along the line, depending what's going on in the economy. So real simple, 18 months is my rule of thumb. And again, just to reiterate, that's if your closing costs are $3,600 and you're saving $200 a month, then you got something going there. And I like the 18 months rule because as we know, the average home ownership life in Florida, it's about seven years. That's correct. So 18 months, I think it, it sounds like then a you're very ahead good the, proposition. You're yeah. ahead of the game after that. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and really what I would like you to do, and I got to share this with you, get a second opinion. You know, you may be going to your bank that you bank with and they're going to tell you this is all good stuff. But you know, what's wrong with a phone call just to ask someone else to say, does this make sense? I think a second opinion is something that you need to do. Even if you have that long-standing relationship with your bank, I think it's okay to make the phone call. Not okay to have them pull your credit. Okay to have them go over your scenario to see what makes sense. I think in this world that we have is we have to be a think tank. We rely on somebody, but we need to find the opinion of someone else to validate that first opinion. I, I think it's important. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You know? And then I'll give you a great example. I've been going to a car dealership over and over again. They did the service of the car. Then they told me I needed new brakes. And I needed uh, new brakes. And I needed to have, uh, what is it, new brakes and uh, new tires. So I, I decided once just to go check with another dealership. They said your brakes are perfectly fine. But you needed tires. And then I went to another mechanic. He says, your brakes are perfectly fine. You just need two tires. All I did was seek the opinion of, of, of others to find out that 
I wasn't being told the truth at the one dealership that I relied on consistently since I've had the cars. It was very disappointing, but I'm glad I did check. And I was not angry. I wasn't, I was just disappointed. So I think that you need to do is really always seek the advice of maybe two or three people to make sure, because this is a big transaction. This isn't like buying, you know, like a pair of tennis shoes. You're refinancing your home. You're buying a home. So it's okay to seek the advice and questions of other people. No, and, and I'm glad that you brought it up. Sometimes it's not even because they're, you know, uh, they have a bad intention or they want to overcharge you. Sometimes they just don't have as many good products as you have. And, and sometimes they don't have the knowledge. Yeah, and or, sometimes or knowledge. you don't know if they're just trying to make a sale to make a sale. Mm -hmm. And that's why I always think it's great just to seek the advice of other people as well. In the industry. And how do you do that? Well, you go to your realtor. Who does your realtor re recommend? So remember, your realtor is recommending you. They're on the line when they give a referral or a recommendation. They're on the line. So if they give a bad referral, then that's bad. So you always, you know, ask your realtor. Ask your, you know, your family members who they used and, and things of that nature. So I think it's all positive in that direction. I agree. Alrighty, now, we, I think we're going to talk about the big tech companies. You know, there's got to be a wake up in, in our community because this is our community. You're in our community. And let's talk about the big tech companies. First of all, what happens when a big tech company, they buy a house, however, how many minutes? Um, the newest statistics says that they are buying a home every 10 minutes, which is like an amazing number. And that, that comprises of what? Zillow, OfferPad? Um, open door and many other ones that will, you know, come. Usually they appear whenever the market is really hot and the economy is doing really well. They are more common and you see, you know, like I buy homes everywhere. You see it online. You see it on the street corners. And now the big difference right now is that they are using technology and SEO data and big investment online to lure sellers to sell their properties at very, very low prices. They have an unlimited budget. They have all the money. They can pay cash for the home. But we have to tell everyone the truth of what's going on. They're purchasing a home and they're giving you a value that you think is fair. But upon inspection, that price can drop. Is that correct? That's correct. So typically, it's very simple for you to understand. Like, you know, do you, be, do you believe like big corporations, they're in the charity business or in the, or they are in the making money business? They're there to make a profit and pay, pay their shareholders. Yeah. So does it make any sense that a big corporation will pay you your exact, absolutely highest equity on your property? Not if they need to make money? No. Yeah. So I think that's the biggest thing. So usually what they do is like they start at a lower price. So they always pay less than what your property is worth. And what they do as well is like they put a lot of fees and inspection contingencies and inspection concessions that you have to pay so that they can make the largest possible profit when they are selling your property afterwards. What's the average commission of a realtor today in today's market? Where are you at? Yeah, so, you know, like we cannot even talk about average, but like I would say that anywhere between 5 and 7%, that's usually where and, most and, commissions come in. And I got to say, how much are the big tech companies? They, they don't have a commission. There's fees and they can exceed up to what percentage? All the way up to 15%, which is a very, very steep, abusive uh, right. fee. So let's get back to our community. 
if they're buying the home and they're bringing down the price of that home, doesn't that affect you? It affects you and it affects me. If I'm not mistaken, that's lowering the value in our community. Is that correct? Yes, without a doubt. So whenever you sell a home, I buy route, you are not only doing something horrible for your finances and your equity, but you are also inferring a big loss for all your neighbors because all of a sudden all your neighbors will have a new comparable in the neighborhood that was sold under market value. And let's talk about it. So when a big tech companies, they're not located in Florida, are they? No. Oh, okay. So they're in Seattle and I believe California, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. So if they come in and buy the home, do they need a realtor? No, they don't. Do they need a loan officer? No. Do they need a title company? No. So those jobs get taken away out of the community. And so if those jobs are taken out, that means no money. No money in the local economy. And that means we talk about grocery stores, the tire shop. We talk about all the vendors, everyone having a, a restaurant. If you knock out those jobs, that's less money to spend in the community. Without a doubt. But we're helping the community in Seattle. We're helping California. But we're not helping us. And isn't it about us, the community? And I've got to tell you right now, I've been in the business for 33 years, and I did a video on this that's going out this week. Your realtor is your biggest asset. They're there to protect you. They're there to give you the best value. They're there to market your home. They'll come in your home to tell you the things that you need to do to get the best and most out of your home. They're there to build a relationship that goes onward. They want not only to do business with you, they want to do business with your relatives, friends, family. And when you have children, they're going to be doing your children. We are a community really based upon our community. We're not going out to do business in California or Seattle. We're doing business in Florida. And we want to keep the jobs in Florida. And by keeping the jobs in Florida, by using your realtor, you're using it, first of all, what does it do to the value? Are they looking after you? Uh -huh, absolutely not. So that means the prices stay up. Is that correct? That means everyone. So when I have a loan, you refer me the loan officer. I have the appraiser. We have the survey, the termite. We have insurance companies. We have all these key players that are involved in the transaction. And they have key players. So it's a really a downward spiral of all these jobs. So if you take those jobs out, then you, what do you do to your community? Yeah, so do you want to hear a very scary number? Absolutely. So last year, the people who sold their property using iBuy services such as OfferPad, Opendoor, or Zillow, they lost a total average of 20% of their equity. Is 20% of your home equity a big deal? Uh, let me answer that question mm -hmm. for you. Most people, their retirement, their savings is in what? Do you know? Uh, probably their home, right? Their equity in their home. Mm -hmm. So what you just did is you gave 20% of your retirement out the door. So not only is the community affected, but you lost 20% of your equity of your investment, of your retirement. That's huge. Yeah. If you're still considering selling your home through an iBuy company, I would strongly recommend for you to contact me and I would be very happy to show you what I've been doing for the last three years. In the last three years, every time when I got a new listing, I asked those companies to send me an offer 
and I also have the statistics of how much I sold the property afterwards. Wow. And in my situation, in some cases, it's got a difference of 27% of equity because people decided to hire me instead of going with an iBuy company. Right. So before committing to an iBuy um, a sale, please contact an experienced realtor because I, I personally think that this is a horrible idea. And I really believe that we all work as a community to stick together and we help each other. If we all have each other's back, we can only succeed. And that's what we're about. And we really need to preserve the jobs and we need to preserve the equity and we need to preserve the values of all the homes. And I hope this has been helpful for you in going over that because these are really huge numbers and we can't afford to lose it. All right, David, I think we're going to change things up a little bit. We covered two great topics but now let's get to some pleasure and some nice things. I think we're going to concentrate on Dunedin, Florida. I live in Dunedin, and I love Dunedin. And we're going to talk about some great things that you can do in Dunedin. One of the things I have to share with you, I've got to be selfish by going because I am such a believer. I'm a paddleboarder. I love paddleboarding. And we have Dunedin Causeway, which is just a great causeway. It's two miles from my home. And i got to tell you, my kids, my family, we grab the paddleboards, we go out to the causeway, and we head over to Cal DC Island. And I just got to share this with you on a fun note. One, we either see manatees, we'll see sharks, we'll see dolphins, and you know, we'll go over to Caladesi and we'll head over to the marsh area. And what I love about it is it doesn't require an engine, a motor. And you know, it's just so quiet, it's so peaceful. And I have kayaks as well. So please, kayaks are great, but I've just gone, have gone over to the paddle boarding. And I tell you, the greatest joy I have with my family is spending a family time paddle boarding and hanging out on the water and watching nature all around me. I love it. Yeah, and no, it's funny that you mentioned that because yesterday was my son's birthday. Yeah. And we were eating right over there by the French's outpost. Oh, absolutely. Which is right before the causeway. And we had an amazing time. Um, I had the conch fritters. I don't know if you're familiar with conch fritters. It's a really big thing here in Florida. And um, well, we always have sandwich. an amazing Grouper time. sandwich. Oh, yes. I always have the grouper sandwich. It's just... But they have a band going. I mean, Dunning Causeway, you have the trail. I mean, my goodness, I can't tell you how many times with my family we've been on that trail going up and down. You can go up to Palm Harbor. You can go down to Clearwater Beach. You have downtown uh, Dunedin. And I tell you, there's so many shops and so many places to see. Really, downtown Dunedin is awesome. Yeah, that, that was one of the things that I was doing with my brother. When my brother came from Brazil to yeah. visit me here, we would hit the Pinellas Trail and we would go from Dunedin all the way up to Tarpon Springs. Yes. And it was a, such a nice uh, and, and, then, and then in Dunedin on Fridays, I was just driving, they got a market. They got an open market on Fridays. And, you know, they do just have things going on all the time. Go look on the side of Dunedin and see all the things that are going on. But we're, and we're not just targeting Dunedin. We're going to make mention of other cities in our community that are just fabulous. And you, you just got to be a part of it and enjoy it because there are so many fun things to do. I went yesterday, I, I met with a friend and we went to a couple of uh, bars to have a drink together and, and socialize and spend some guy time together. And we're right by Dunning Brewery. There's one right by the corner and another one over there. And, and it, I was just amazed at the number of people on a Saturday afternoon. Everyone's got their dogs, they're walking, people are in there. The weather's beautiful right now. 
you got to come see Dunedin. And that's one of the things you see, like you can compare different downtowns. So yeah. for example, if you go to downtown Clearwater, you get a, like a, a different kind of atmosphere. Uh, one of the things that I love about downtown Dunedin specifically is that it seems to be a very family oriented community. So you would see like throughout the year, you have like a, a three court treating events during Halloween season. They have carnival events. They have like a, Uh, one of the biggest celebrations that they have over there, it's for St. Patty's Day. Yes. And they close the entire downtown Dunedin. Right. And you have all the different breweries serving like a local uh, beer and all that stuff. So um, I personally think that downtown Dunedin is a big asset yes. for the lo local community and is one of my favorite spots in Pinellas County. Right. And by the way, there are many more. And in our segments, we're going to bring them up and all the things that they have going on. But for this podcast, it's Dunedin, Florida. Come join us and enjoy our beautiful city. Yes. And one of the things that we're going to be doing in the next uh, podcast, we're going to have local videos for some of the businesses in Dunedin so you can get more familiar about the restaurants, some services, and things you do in Dunedin. And while we are at it, we're also going to include some information about property so that you can have an idea of, you know, let's say that you are buying something on a $400,000 price range. What can you buy with $400,000 in the Dunedin? What can you buy with $700,000 in the Dunedin? So I would like to go over these things as well so you can have a better idea of what you can buy in the Dunedin That's in awesome. your price range. That's awesome. So when you come out to Dunedin Causeway when you see a black Jeep with no doors on it, four-door, that's me. Come say hello. Okay, yeah. and if you are in the Dunedin and you see a big Atlas SUV driving like a crazy guy, that's probably me. <laughs> Take care and a wonderful day. All right, see, see you later. All right, so if you enjoyed today's podcast, I would strongly recommend that you subscribe and you like our video. Because that will lift us up in the rankings and, and share our video. Share it to everybody you know because it's great information and it really helps us by you clicking like and subscribe to us because we're here to educate you and bring you up-to-date information every week. Yeah, that's good. So I'm Didier at Didier Mortgage. And I'm David Zuzman with Keller Williams and it was really nice to see you. Thank you so much. Have a great day, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Buying Florida with your host, Didier. For more information and to apply for a loan, please visit ddamortgage.com. That's ddamortgage.com. Or click on the link in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to like, share, and subscribe. Have a great day.